Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for September 12th is Ezekiel chapters 46 through 48. We are in the midst of and actually finishing up today the book of Ezekiel, but also this prophecy that Ezekiel has of this temple and the temple grounds that exist at some point, but we don't know when for sure. Certainly the temple represents the kingdom of heaven with people going in and out and sacrifices being offered and the glory of God coming in to the east gate. And we see there are priests, there are Levites, there are people set apart. There's a division of the land. Some people believe that this is the temple literally that Ezekiel was seeing in the future at the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when Jesus returns. Some people believe could be any moment. Some people believe that couldn't happen yet because there are prophecies yet to be fulfilled, such as the bride of Christ being spotless and without blemish, and we are far from that. But regardless of what you believe, or when you believe this temple will exist, or if it's literal or just spiritual, there are lessons for us to learn in it. And the first one I'd like to just touch on today is in chapter 46, verse 9. When the people of the land come before Yahweh at the appointed times, whoever enters by way of the north gate is to worship is to go out by way of the south gate. Whoever enters by way of the south gate is to go out by the north gate. So people are continually going in the same direction. So again, if it's a literal thing, it makes sense, right? Because we won't have these traffic jams of people coming in, turning around, bumping into all the people behind them who are filing in to worship. From a spiritual perspective, it makes sense because we can't have people coming into the faith, getting halfway in, and then turning around and going out. Imagine how much progress would be inhibited for those following them. Everything that God does and tells us about in the physical has a spiritual truth that it represents. We see that even more so in this river of life depiction in chapter 47. And notice in 47, it begins, At the entrance of the temple there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Why toward the east? Because that's where the glory of God appeared. The temple faced the east. It faced the sunrise. Prophetic, is it not? Where the glory of God was is where the river flowed, and everything that the river touched became full of life. And we see this progression that Ezekiel experiences. First, it came up to his ankles, and the man brings him out another roughly third of a mile, and then it's up to his knees, and then he goes out another third of a mile, roughly, and it comes up to his waist, and pretty soon he can't go any further because it would require him to dive all the way in and swim. It's a progression of the kingdom of heaven growing and becoming 
more and more apart. And at first, a lot of people want to dip their toes in this water, this living water that is the Spirit of God that wants to take them to the glory of God. And they might go a little deeper until their knees are submerged and it feels good and they're starting to see progress and overcome sin and the many things in our lives that hold us captive and that keep us from reaching our full potential. And so people wade in a little further until the water comes up to their hips and then they are left with a decision. The water is flowing, current is getting stronger. For me to go further, I need to dive all the way in. Where are you, my friends, in that progression? Are you dipping your toes in the water or are you diving all the way in? Because when you dive all the way in, you can no longer control where you're going. You're going to be swept up by the current of that Holy Spirit river that's flowing towards the glory of God. And it's going to take you where God wants to take you. Jesus told the parable of the mustard seed, and we talk a lot about that parable, but I don't think people really understand it. It's saying that that mustard seed is small, but it turns into a great plant that provides shade in the garden. It's a place where the birds of the air can come and perch on its branches. It starts off so small, but it grows. The kingdom of heaven, when it is planted within you, it grows if you don't let the weeds come up around it, if you don't let the rocks in the soil inhibit it. So many of these teachings are the same. It's They're all saying that God wants all of us. He's not willing to settle for just part of us. So in the fifth verse of chapter 47, this river was deep enough to swim in. It was a river that could not be crossed on foot. It's to go where the spirit of Yahweh is going. Total immersion is necessary. The river equals the spirit of God. And it reminds me of John chapter 7, verse 38, where Jesus said, If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from deep within him. Paul encourages us in his writings to examine ourselves, to determine if we really are in the faith. And I would suggest based on these readings that we are able to examine ourselves by telling whether or not there are rivers of life flowing from within us. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can see the wind, but you can't tell where it's going or where it comes from. So it is with the Spirit. We see the evidence of the work of the Spirit. We don't see the Spirit himself, but if we're submitted, he will carry us far and we can do great things. Verse 9 says, Every kind of living creature that swarms will live wherever the river flows. Everywhere that river touched, there was life, abundant life, fruit being produced, trees with their roots going deep, producing their fruit every single month without fail. Where it pours into the ocean, the water of the ocean becomes pure. It has an effect. It changes its environment and everywhere it goes becomes better. So it should be with the people of God when we are filled with the Spirit, when we are subject to His leadership. 
And yet in verse 11, it says its swamps and marshes will not be healed. The stagnant water will not be healed. That's what swamps and marshes are. Water that just sits there and the life is lost from it. Let us not be the type who just sit there, my friends. In chapter 48, verse 13, next to the territory of the priests, the Levites will have an area. And the next verse says, they must not sell or exchange any of it. They must not transfer this choice part of the land for it is holy to Yahweh. To me, that's a lesson that we should not forsake the inheritance of the priests. Believers today are living stones in the temple, being constructed, fashioned together as he sees fit. We are a royal priesthood. We are to be living for him, ministering to him, being the intermediary between him, God, and the world. We all have jobs to do. And in the same way that the Levites could not sell or give away their land, their portion, their assignment, their lot that they were supposed to work, we today cannot give away. We cannot forsake our inheritance. We cannot give up the part that we are supposed to be doing. We can't shirk our assignment and expect somebody else to do it for us. Whatever the territory is, friends, that God is giving to you, claim it and work it and ask for him to give you the grace to do that. The very last verse of the very last chapter of the book of Ezekiel says, and the name of the city from that day on will be Yahweh is there. How amazing will it be to live in a city, a literal geographical place where the glory of God dwells? Friends, if you've ever read the stories in the book of Exodus and how God would lead the people as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and you were jealous that you didn't get to experience that, your day is coming. Our day is coming, and it's exciting, but we have lots of work to do to bring that day forward. God wants to partner with us. He wants to see his people doing their part. Friends, you can enter into the kingdom of heaven, but if you don't invest your time and your resources, you won't really value it. If it doesn't cost you anything, it will be cheap. It'll be plastic. It'll be thrown in the recycling bin tomorrow. God created us in such a way that we gain satisfaction and we ascribe value directly, proportionately to the things that cost us the most. But when you work hard, you become proud of what you've accomplished. God has placed that within us. And it's not, the sin of pride is not being proud of what you've accomplished. God is opposed to arrogance, where we think we're better than him, or we think we're better than other people. 
but he put it within us that we're supposed to be grateful and proud of how we've become better than we used to be. The challenge is when we compare ourselves to other people, we do it incorrectly because we lie to ourselves so very well. And I'll close with this thought. Heard this this morning in a workout routine from a health coach. We all get to choose whether we are going to be the noun or the verb. The noun is the object. It has things done to it. The verb is the action. Be the verb. If you want to be a Bible scholar, study the Word of God. Friends, thank you for being on this journey with me. Congratulations on finishing yet another book of the Bible. We'll see you tomorrow.